You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Jose Quintana's injury could keep him out for a lion's share of the first half of the season, which opens up a spot for David Peterson. Could Peterson excel in that role and be a key contributor to this rotation, maybe even solidifying a spot for the entire year? That's what we're discussing throughout the show in the first segment. We'll get into the diagnosis on Quintana and how Peterson should slot in. In the second segment, I'm going to go through the projection models on Peterson and preview his season. Then in the final segment, Tyler McGill. He has been moved up the depth chart as well due to this injury. How can he thrive with the Mets this year? What will his role be? We're going to get to all of it. Before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more by visiting FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Now, Jose Quintana is out and could be out for a long time has a fracture in his rib cage. This is similar to an injury that Chris Sale had last year where he got hurt in February, did not start rehab until June. We really don't know here because essentially what happens is he needs to rest for six to eight weeks. Then they reassess and decide what he can start doing. Now, he might be able to get back to some physical activity then, but at that point, you still don't know if he can start throwing. He's going to have to build himself up from nothing I mean, the Mets signed a pitcher to a two-year deal that now you don't even know how much contributions you're going to get from Quintana at all this year. It's not to say that he's out for the season, but out for the first half appears like it could be a likely scenario the Mets have to come to terms with. And what that does is it just knocked down your rotation a peg. You went out and you signed three starters to replace three starters because you like the idea of having David Peterson Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese as rotation depth. Now, one of them, likely Peterson, has to fill in for Quintana. And that's really just putting you in a bad spot heading into the year because now you have less flexibility if another guy goes down. While you could say, oh, what a waste for signing Quintana. Here he's out. Not to say that because he goes down, other pitchers don't. But sometimes that's just the math of it. Like somebody had to go down. And the reason that you you go into camp with this many starters is because you know that even though David Peterson is number six on the depth chart, he's likely going to still make 20 starts this year. And he really earned that. You know, if you look at what he did last year, he did make 19 starts, pitched in 28 games, 105 and two third innings pitch. And he pitched to a 383 ERA coming off a year prior where he pitched to a 5.54 ERA a former first-round pick that had success in the shortened season. And then when you actually pitch in front of fans in 2021 and the league had time to adjust to him in 15 starts, he just wasn't as effective. He didn't strike out more batters, but he gave up more home runs and he he really let his walks get to him more. You look at his left-on-base percentage, 
in his rookie season, 76.8%. Left on base percentage, 2021, 65.4%. So a lot of those base runners that he had on were coming back to haunt him in a way that they didn't last year, similar to how they didn't in 2020. A big difference is he was dynamic with the slider last year. And that's why I've been so high on David Peterson. I did a show earlier this offseason where I said David Peterson could be a three. I still believe that. I still believe that David Peterson, you know, on a team that doesn't have Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and now Kodai Senga, I think he could ascend to, to be that guy. I really do on a good team because there's not just a ton of lefties in baseball that are striking out nearly 11 batters per nine that have a slider that had a whiff percentage of 47.9. That means that nearly half the time a batter attempted to swing at that slider, they were coming up empty. I mean, that is a dynamic offering. And his fastball is really starting to play up well. The velo is taking up on it. Last year, it averaged at 93.7 miles per hour. He gets great extension coming from his frame. And from the left side, that fastball can jump on hitters a bit, especially when you compare it to what he's throwing with his primary offerings beyond that being the slider and the changeup. So that allows that fastball to jump more, particularly because he throws it up in the zone. At one point, you know, in 2020, maybe we thought that he was better off leaning into being a single sinker ball pitcher and getting ground balls. Now, he's a strikeout guy. He can go out and strike out batters with the best of them, and that has led to the results he had last season. It puts him in a position now where I look at David Peterson and I think, all right, this Mets rotation didn't get worse losing Quintana in the sense that I believe Peterson can go up and put up a season very similar to what you're expecting from Quintana. Now, it got worse in the sense that David Peterson was supposed to be the guy that fills in if there were any injuries that take place. Now that's Tyler McGill. So I think there's a step down there, and your overall depth took a big hit, obviously, because you go from being, I don't know, eight deep of guys you trust with maybe Jose Budo or Elizar Hernandez being the ninth, to now... You got you know your five-man rotation of Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Carrasco, Peterson, with McGill and Lucchese, and then you go to Budo or Hernandez. So you just lose an arm there. And if you were to you know get to a point this season where Verlander had a pull hammy and he's out for two weeks, now McGill's got to step in. But oh wait, Carlos Carrasco's dealing with a little bit of dead arm. And he needs to, to be set aside. Well, now all of a sudden, you got a rotation where it's Scherzer, it's Sanga, it's Peterson as the three with McGill and Lucchese. Suddenly, that rotation looks a lot less potent. But for right now, I actually think the Mets are okay. I think they were able to sustain an injury to this rotation, and even two if they really had to, assuming it was from the back end. Or, uh, you know, even if you could keep Scherzer and Verlander upright, I feel like. You're fine with whatever three guys you can put behind them. If you lose one of those top two, that's where this hurts a little bit more because suddenly with everyone having to, to get up one in the pecking order, you know, you, you're you just getting down to the wire where suddenly a rotation that includes McGill and Lucchese at some point, that that's where you'd be a little more concerned. Right now, I think they're fine. Uh, I still think, as we're going to preview... Uh, Peterson's uh, projections next year, he is going to be able to go out and, and be a very, very competent starting pitcher for this team. 
It's just a matter of making sure the rest of the guys can stay healthy, which in Major League Baseball is never a given. We're going to get to all that in a minute, though. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We are past the midway point of the NBA season, which makes now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because there, customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when they sign up. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-point strain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. I have my eye on LB Futures right now, and Brett Beatty at plus 1300 for Rookie of the Year started to look pretty good to me. Also, Kodai Senga. Last I checked, he's at plus 850 now to win Rookie of the Year. Hey, the Mets might have their first Rookie of the Year since 2014. Actually, excuse me, 2019. I've done that before on this show. Why do I forget that Pete Alonso won the Rookie of the Year? I don't know. It's crazy that I do that, but hey, the Mets have had some success with that award in the past, with DeGrom in 14, with Alonso in 19, and this year could be the year for Beatty or Sanga. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's take a look at David Peterson's projections for the 2023 season. If you go to Fangrass, as I've been mentioning a lot as we do our season previews here, you can find the projection models on each player in the green. So when we look at this green blurb here, we can see some projection models that factor in depth chart and others that do not. For Peterson, these models should change if they can accommodate the Quintana injury because now he should be in the rotation more. Previously, there was only one model, and this is the one that does not factor in depth chart zips, that had him pitching over 100 innings. Now I think that changes significantly. So let's instead focus in on the strikeout per nine, the walk per nine, the home run per nine, the ERA, all these other stats, and try to get a gauge of what projection models feel for Peterson this year. So we start with ERA. They have him between 3.21 and 4.08. Steamer is the one that has him at 3.21. You then look at Fangrass depth chart, ATC, the bat. All of them are in the 3.6 range between 3.63 and 3.64. The zip step chart has them at 4.8. So there is a little bit of a variance here, but that is maybe because you have a pitcher that hasn't really done it for a long time. You know, he could be the 2021 guy, and maybe that's where he gets the ERA closer to the 4.08. I will acknowledge, though, that that is only slightly worse than what he did last year at 3.83. And then you look at a lot of the models that have him slightly better. Then there's the one outliner of Steamer that has him going up and pitching to a 3.21 ERA, which I actually think is a very viable outcome. If David Peterson you know, is able to limit the walks a little bit compared to last year, that's the big change that he makes. I really think you're going to have less runners on base that can come around to score on the single and that's going to allow him to be able to pitch around the hits that he gives up better. And with the strikeouts and being able to maybe set down 10 to 11 per nine again, 
David Peterson's a weapon out of that rotation. I really feel that to be the case. You look at the strikeout projections, they have him between 9.79 and 10.21. So no one has him striking out as many as last year, but they all have him striking close to double digits. That is a, a, a big, big number for a left-handed pitcher. And they had the walks actually coming down. It's between 3.36 and 3.81. So if he's able to walk less batters, that's going to lead to better results when it comes to the ERA. I really feel like David Peterson is a big, big X factor in this rotation. I think there is a world where you get a healthy Verlander and Scherzer, and then you get Senga as this breakout rookie of the year type star and Peterson solidifying that rotation, giving you four viable arms that you eventually can trust come October, where he might go up this year and pitch to a similar ERA to what he had in 2020 in that shortened season of only 49 and two-third innings, and pitch to like a 3-3-3-4 ERA while striking out you know, 10.5 batters per nine, cutting the walks a little bit, and just being an overall extremely effective pitcher that can maybe go out this year and give you 150 innings. I don't see any reason why David Peterson can't go up this year and make 25 to 30 starts. Uh, I think with Quintana's injury clearing the way, knowing how these things work where other injuries can happen, even if Quintana is coming back in July now, I think by that point in the season, David Peterson at 27 years old is going to outpitch Carlos Carrasco in his mid-30s. And it'll either be Carrasco being bumped for Quintana or some type of a piggyback situation with those guys. And the veterans will be solidifying the back end of the rotation. And Peterson is going to find himself no lower than being the number four starter on this team. Uh, I believe in him all offseason. I'm not moving off that. And that's why there's part of me that looks at this injury and it's too far to call it a blessing in disguise because you can't lose depth and be happy about it. But I think as it simply relates to Peterson, it's a blessing because this is a guy that I believe is due for a breakout. And if you look beyond this season at what the Mets have when it comes to their rotation, I mean, Carrasco, this is the last year of control. Quintana's a year beyond this. Senga, you have him for three years with an opt-out, potentially five. You still have Verlander and Scherzer potentially for one more year apiece if Scherzer picks up his option, uh, you know, for or doesn't opt out essentially. Verlander will definitely be under contract next year and has the vesting option to be under contract for a third year. David Peterson, at this point, will not be a free agent until 2027. So that means you have him under control for 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026. Four more years of control for Peterson. Outside of Senga, he's the most controllable starter in this rotation that I believe will continue to be a starter for the foreseeable future. Tyler McGill is a guy that I like and they have control of, but he has to prove a lot more than Peterson, who just went out and did it, and just did it over a representative sample and is at an age and with a pedigree as the first-round pick where I can just bet on some you know continual growth over the coming years because uh, I just think he projects that as a high-floor starter. I really believe that um, to be the case. I thought that that was kind of always the book on him, that he would be a high-floor back-end starter, and I think the way he has improved the strikeouts has maybe given him a little more upside to dream on than maybe we anticipated when he made his debut a couple of years ago. 
But now McGill slides into that sixth spot, which makes him much more valuable to this team. Where is he going to begin the season? What are the projection models saying about him? Could he be a bounce-back candidate? We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. With David Peterson set to fill the vacated spot in the Mets rotation left by Jose Quintana, now Tyler McGill is expected to fill that sixth spot in the rotation where the Mets could either go to that six-man staff and they can have McGill out there for a little bit and give some more rest to guys like Senga, who is adjusting to Major League Baseball for the first time, and Verlander and Scherzer, who are getting up there in age, or he can be a swingman, giving them length out of the pen. He could be in AAA Syracuse, just waiting in the wings right of the Mets, need a starter to fill in for either a spot starter due to injury. McGill's going to get more run now that Quintana's out. It's that simple. The question is how much run and how effective can he be? I think Tyler McGill is probably overrated by some Mets fans because his peaks have been remarkable. 2021, right when he's getting his feet wet, he has a 1.04 ERA in five starts in July across 26 innings pitch. Looks completely dynamic. He's getting comparisons to Jacob DeGrom because his fastball played up in a similar way as DeGrom's did when he was a rookie. And everyone just thought, oh my God, here's this guy that came out of nowhere, was called up due to necessity, and then thrived. Could this be the next DeGrom? The rest of that year, though, after July, he wasn't good. 6.44 ERA in August, 5.76 ERA in September and October to close out the year. Just dreadful. 4.77 ERA in 71 and two-thirds pitched in the second half. I mean, the guy just wasn't very good. Now, you look at what he did in 2022, and there was another month where he was excellent early in the year where he was, again, you know, filling in for Jacob DeGrom and looking like him with a 1.93 ERA to start the year and being part of a combined no-hitter, pitching the most innings out of any or any pitcher in that game, obviously, as the starter. You look at what he did beyond that, though, it was all injuries. I mean, he never pitched more than six and two-thirds in a month for the remainder of the year. It was six and two-thirds in May, six and two-thirds in June. Didn't pitch at all in July. Then six innings out of the pen in September and October. He just really battled injuries in that cause and effectiveness as he pitched to a 14.5 ERA in May, 8.10 in June, 6 in September and October. He just wasn't the same guy. So obviously he's not the 1.93 ERA guy, but you look at his first two seasons, it's a 5.13 ERA in 2022 and a 4.52 ERA in 2021. Is he a 4.5 ERA guy? And if he is, how effective is he really? This is a guy that didn't have a ton of run in the minor leagues, was really just working fastball in double A in 2021, gets the triple A, and starts to really toy with the slider and the changeup, gets called up and has to continue to toy with it. And he's learning those pitches kind of on the fly at the big league level where they weren't polished. And he had a lot of success. But when those pitches evade him, they escape him, when he can't find the strike zone with them, when you know, they aren't convincing enough for batters and they can just spit on them. Or even worse, if he hangs them over the heart of the plate and guys can 
can do damage on them, suddenly he's a far less successful pitcher because while Tyler McGill has a great fastball and gets great extension that allows that fastball to jump on batters, you can't be a one-pitch guy, particularly coming from the rotation. That's why a lot of us thought that he would play up a bit coming out of the bullpen, and he didn't. So that leaves you in an interesting spot where the Mets might be inclined to put him on the MLB team, but they also might be concerned about him being able to fill in in that role that is so difficult to, to start some games, to come out of the pen. Trevor Williams did amazing of it last year. Maybe you need someone with more MLB experience. Maybe a Joey Lucchese now has a better chance of making the team. Or I don't even know about making the team, but at some point being part of the bullpen, whether it's Lucchese or Jose Budo, compared to McGill, where maybe the Mets decide, let's just park him in Syracuse. This is a guy that has never really had a ton of minor league experience anyway. It's a growing opportunity for him at 27 years old to you know, pitch his way out of it. You know, If he's incredible down there, at some point the Mets are going to have to call on him. And if he's ready to go when the Mets need him, I still think Tyler McGill can have that breakout season that we've all been anticipating. I just look at the floor of a David Peterson compared to the floor of a Tyler McGill. And to me, there's no question who should be in the starting rotation come opening day. We look at the projection models, though. Let's just close out the show on that as we preview the season for every key Met. We've done it for some position players. and We've done it with some of the pitchers. We just did it with Peterson. Looking at the models for McGill, you do have a lot of strikeouts being projected between 9.47 and 10.04. The models have him pitching between 57 and 64 innings for most of them. Zips, which doesn't factor in depth chart, has him at 81.7, making 16 starts. If he were to be uh, that frequently used, a 3.97 ERA is what they're projecting. That's not bad. Yet, you look at the other projection models, it's between 3.72 and 4. The best model has him at 3.49. To see so many models projecting him in the high threes, low fours, That is a quality pitcher for the role that he's going to serve. But it's just a question of how well can he function in that role, whether it being the long man who has to get some starts throughout the week or if it is starting in AAA and just at some point knowing there's going to be an injury, having to be called on to be part of the rotation for a month here and there. I think McGill can do it. I think Peterson's going to fill in great for Quintana. And ultimately, I think the Mets have – plenty of depth to be okay sustaining this injury. And even if there are further injuries throughout the year, I think they'll be fine. Uh, But it's going to hinge a lot on what Peterson and McGill can do. These are guys that they always want to go into the season, having them on the outside looking into the rotation. Because if you do that, that means you have the depth to deal with injuries. And these are guys that if they can find a way to establish themselves, I mean, they can be big parts of this core moving forward. McGill, he had an even you know additional year of control compared to Peterson. He's not going to be a free agent until 2028. So we're not even eligible until 2025. So two years of him cheap before you have to pay for three arb years. He's going to be a bargain for Steve Cohen over the next couple of seasons. If he can establish himself in one day, you can go into the offseason instead of saying, yeah, we need Peterson and McGill to be six and seven. On our depth chart, if they can say, you know what, we feel great and feel confident with them at four and five, that's going to be a big success to this organization that just hasn't developed pitchers that well over recent years. Anyway, though, 
That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at FickleStarRyan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball where you can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.